0: Elevate youth, I'm going to be preaching on the floor tonight, so I apologize if I'm a little bit dim, I don't know, like we don't have lighting here, me and Jonathan before the service, I pointed at you, but you're not Jonathan, where is Jonathan, oh he's went back, okay me and Jonathan before the service, we got like, we like pushed away all these chairs, we got ladders out trying to reposition some lights and it took us way longer than we expected, so anyways, all that to say, I apologize if I'm a little bit dim tonight, Okay, does anybody have any unopened cans of soda? All right, we're going we're to do this as a family, okay? We're going to do this as a family. Okay, on three. One, two. Oh, that, was awesome. that was awesome. All right. All right, I think that's going to be a new thing. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> you guys are great. All right, so tonight I'm going to be preaching a message called How to Dream. How to Dream. And throughout the week I've been kind of asking you guys, um, I've just been kind of asking around to friends, family, Instagram, whoever, about tell, to tell me some of your craziest, weirdest dreams, and I've collected four of them. So let's go through the first one. We've got slides for them, so let's put up the first one. I'm going to read it out loud here. Okay, I once had a dream that a giant spider was coming out of the floor. The weird part was that it was wearing a knitted Christmas sweater. I don't know what to do with this information. Then there's a little picture of a spider. Okay, let's do the next one. Okay, this one's a bit long. So, so I lost my Switch for real, and then in my dream, something stole my car with my Switch in it and then tried to kill me. So I knocked on its door, and then, it had to, then I had to kill it so I could get my Switch back. And then in real life, I found my Switch a few days later. That is an incredible, incredible story. Okay, next one. Okay, one time Bigfoot lived in my pasture and I had to find him, but then he left in a spaceship with the circus ringmaster that owned him. <sighs> okay. All right, this last one's my favorite for the simplicity. Let's show it. I was in a shipwreck with Bob and Larry. <laughs> Yeah, so you guys have some pretty weird dreams out there. And honestly, I would love to just keep hearing them sometime. If you have a weird dream, just come up to me after the service. I would absolutely love to hear it. I just, I'm obsessed with dreams right now, so. But, you know, the Bible, there's some characters in the Bible that have had some pretty strange dreams, right? Like Jacob has a famous dream of angels climbing up and down a ladder. It's pretty weird. Joseph has a dream that him and his brothers are wheat stalks, and the other stalks of wheat bow down to him. And, of course, his, brother were, his brothers were pretty ticked about that. There's a king in the Bible that had a dream of seven uh, thin cows. Okay, so there's seven thin cows. No, 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 I'm sorry, seven fat cows. And then seven thin cows came over and ate the fat cows, but the thin cows remained thin. It's pretty pretty weird. And then there's an, un, there's an unnamed man in the Bible that has a dream of a large loaf of bread rolling into his military encampment and killing everybody. Okay, so there's some pretty weird dreams out there. But the Bible is also telling us to dream too. You know, telling us to dream not just when we're sleeping, but also when we're waking to have dreams and visions of the future. So a few years ago, uh, God dropped this phrase in my spirit that still is really impactful to me today. And this was the phrase. It's, it was, I can't wait to get to the point in my life where I can't wait to wake up in the morning just so I can dream. I can't wait to get to the point in my life where I can't wait to wake up in the morning just so I can dream. And that to me, that was really impactful, especially in that time of my life. And this is the kind of life that God wants us to live. He wants to give us dreams and visions that we can't wait to get up in the morning, that we can't wait to go to school, we can't wait to go to our job so we can dream about the future, so we can... Uh, have a vision god wants us to have dreams and visions and hope for our life and not just in the distant future but for tomorrow for next week and even today and i believe that the vehicle for our dreams and visions is prayers and faith and so i'm going to pray before we really get going here so if you'd pray with me father i just thank you for this message i thank you for the people here ready to receive it and i just pray that i receive it as well and i get something out of it too In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I have a question. How many of you guys have ever or have ever seen this verse used incorrectly? Right? I mean, I've, I've probably, I know I've used this verse incorrectly. You know, as a kid, I read this verse and I thought, oh, okay, clearly if I just want, if I want the newest Nintendo Wii, I just have to ask for it and then pray for it and it'll be mine, right? That's, that's how I interpreted that verse. Um, how many of you guys have ever played games with God that is not a board game or a video game, that is just uh, games with God? What games with God is, is you're out on the basketball court, you're dribbling the ball and you're like, God... If I make this shot, then that girl is the right girl for me. Okay, God, okay. Two out of three, two out of three, God. I got to get two out of three, and that gets the girl for me. dong. Okay, got three out of five, three out of five. How many of you guys have ever done this, or is it just me? Okay, glad, I'm glad I'm not alone. I'm glad I'm not alone. But we play games with God sometimes. They're like, God, if, if this is the right job for me, then line this up. Or, God, if this, if this is the person I'm supposed to date, then somebody needs to come and give me a word. You know, we play games with God all sorts of different ways. The verse says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. Because I believe we've we've got two, we we want to believe, A, that the Bible, we want to believe that the Bible is true, right? We want to take it for what it is. But at the same time, our experiences don't always line up with what the Bible is saying, And so some of us, we might be in this conflict of like, I believe that the Bible is true, but my experiences tell me, I feel like my experiences are telling me something different. And what I want to do is I want to take the context of the verse. I want to zoom out a little bit. And Mark chapter 11 is a pretty strange chapter in the Bible. Um, The beginning of the chapter is the triumphal entry of Jesus. It's what we know as Palm Sunday. So Jesus is writing in on a donkey, and all the people in the city were waving palm branches and laying them down for him as he's entering the city. And the very next day, what Jesus does is he goes into the temple, and that's when the Bible says he overflows the tables and drives people out. And so the the day one, people are celebrating, cheering for him. The next day, Jesus walks into the temple and overthrows tables and says, not in my house. You cannot profit off of my house. And then after that, he has his authority questioned by the religious leaders around them. And then later on, a few chapters later, it's the same group of people that end up crucifying Jesus. So Mark chapter 11 is a pretty crazy chapter. But an interesting thing happens on the way to the temple. On the way to the temple, you see Jesus was hungry. Him and his disciples are walking to the temple. And Jesus was hungry. And he walks up to this fig tree. And he's hungry. and He's looking for figs. And I guess he's just craving figs or something. But he's looking for figs, but he doesn't find any. Now, does anybody know what a fig tastes like? Nobody? Someone said juice? What does that even mean? I don't know. Juice? Okay, does anybody like fig Newtons? Okay. (laughs) That's about right. Okay, I need someone to come up and try a fig Newton for me. All right, Natalia, come on. Give her a hand, you guys. Grab a Fig Newton, and then eat it. And I need you to explain the flavor of a fig the best you can. OK. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We got some texture in there. Um, <laughs> it tastes fruity. Um, it's a fruit, yeah. Well, then, there we go. Um, It's not sour. It's actually pretty sweet, and it could be a little bit more tart. Um, But it's it's not really like, I can't really compare it to any other fruit because it doesn't really taste like any other fruit. So it's incomparable. It's unlike anything else. It's incomparable. (laughs) Yep, pretty much, yeah. All right, give her a hand. Wait, wait, wait. You get to take all these. You get all of them. Yeah, there you go. Share them with your friends. You know, the Bible says we're supposed to be like Jesus, and so Jesus likes figs apparently, so I don't know, try some figs. Okay, so anyways, Jesus was walking across, he was walking to the temple, he sees a fig tree, looks for figs. He's hungry, doesn't find figs. The tree is empty, not bearing figs. And so the Bible says that Jesus actually curses the tree and says, you know, you won't produce any fig. Like, you know, if you don't produce figs, then you are cursed. And in Mark chapter 11, verses 20, they're passing back through the temple. They're passing back on their way back from the temple. And as they passed in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. I mean, you'll find throughout the Bible that Peter is always like super surprised when Jesus does miracles, as if he like has no idea who Jesus is. And it says, And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. He's almost offering this as an explanation, like, you know, this is what happens with people in faith, that when they say it happens, it happens because of their faith. And then he says, therefore, I tell you. Remember, if, if you ever see a therefore, you have to look at what it's there for in the context. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. So this passage, like I said, it's always messed me up. You know, as a kid, like, you know, you always think about that verse, like, you know, faith, you have to have faith to move to, to move mountains. I don't know, faith the size of a mustard seed to move mountains. You know, recently me and my wife were at a youth pastor's lunch, and Francis Chan was speaking there. And he said as a kid, he always, like, looked at his Bible and was like, God, if I, you know, you say if I have to have faith to move a mountain, then surely I have just a little bit of faith to just turn the page in my Bible, like, God, how cool would that be to just turn the page in my Bible? And, in fact, he, like, kind of just stood there for a second at the lunch and was just, like, intently staring at his Bible. And then he was like, yeah, I tried it again, but, like, it never works. Um, that it's, you know, I think we take, we take the verse out of context and try to apply it to things it wasn't meant to be applied to. You know, sometimes, sometimes I don't get the we that I prayed for, right? And sometimes I feel like there's a disconnect between us and God and our desires. You know, I think a lot of us have this temptation to allow our experiences change the nature of God and who God is and what he promised us. You know, we'll say this, we'll say things like, God, if you're good, then, you know, give me a car. Or God, if you're good, then, you know, I need healing in this area. And then we, if we don't get what we're, if we don't get what we're asking for, then we'll say God isn't good, rather than align our experiences with God. And I believe our focus is on the wrong thing. You see, our mind is very powerful. Our imagination is very powerful. Um, I'm reading this book called The Fourth Dimension, and I'm not going to go through the whole synopsis of the book, but I'll summarize it just really quickly. It's a book about prayer and faith, about how the fourth dimension is the dimension of prayer and faith and how it rules over our dimension that we live in that prayer and faith can really change things and that our imagination is very powerful. He's saying that in this fourth dimension, it is above and rules over the dimension we live in. And the language of that above dimension is imagination. That imagination can and will change our reality. The fourth dimension is the spirit realm. And basically you can agree with God's spirit or the enemy's spirit in that dimension. And the key point of the book was this, is faith is connecting to God's imagination, but fear and anxiety is connecting to Satan's imagination. That if you have faith and you have confidence and assurance, you're connecting to God's imagination and you're agreeing with what he is saying, but fear and anxiety about your present, past, or future, you're just agreeing and connecting with Satan's imagination about your life. And it's important this is important to having a dream over your future because if you're always having fear and anxiety over your future, then you are agreeing, A, you're agreeing with Satan's imagination, but B, you're also making it become a self-fulfilling prophecy about your future. That if you're always having this imagination of, that involves fear and anxiety, then that will literally become a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life. But if you wanna start seeing change in your life or in your school or in your family, and you wanna start seeing revival, then you need to begin connecting your imagination with God's imagination and then you'll begin to see change. You know, in the book he told the story of a, of a lady and he's a pastor, he's actually the pastor of the world's largest church. Um, and the lady came up to him during prayer one time and she said um, she said that she has this only daughter who is just uh, sleeping around with everybody that she's selling off her body and all this. And she tells the pastor that she just when she, as she's describing her daughter She's using this language of, like, she's dirty, filthy, that she's shameful, that she's, like, it's, I don't even know if I want her back anymore. And she's using all this language. And the pastor, like, very harshly corrected her and said, like, no, if you want to see change, you need to change your imagination about her. You need to stop seeing her as dirty, filthy, and shameful, but instead you need to see her as pure and innocent in the way Jesus sees her. You need to start changing your imagination about her. And... It took a lot of convincing, but once the lady finally caught it, and once she finally understood it, the lady began to cry again, but not because the crying of her shame, but because of sadness that her daughter was lost. And that is a big distinction. You know, coincidentally, which I don't believe it is, but qu- coincidentally, the daughter, around the same time, was finally giving her, was going to go back, try to go back to her parents one more time. Because you see, the daughter's side of the story is that her parents have been, you know, verbally abusive to her, have called her dirty things. And every time she's tried to come back, um, the daughter has just been repelled by that. And it's like, they don't even want me. And so the daughter finally said to herself, fine, I'm gonna try one more time. I'm gonna knock on that door one more time. And if they, re- if they reject me again, I'll never go again. And so she goes up to the door of her parents' house, knocks on the door, and because of her mom's changed imagination about her, when she opened the door and saw her, she didn't see a dirty person, but instead she saw her daughter, pure and innocent. And so she opened the door with loving arms towards her. And our imagination is powerful of what that can affect. You know, and some of us in in this room might have been in situations with our parents or our friends where, you know, maybe we've been mistreated by friends or family and maybe that's put shame on the people we love. But how many of you guys know that mental images can be drawn both ways, right? It can be drawn both ways. Instead of seeing your parents as overruling or unjust or any of that stuff, you can start seeing see them through the way Christ sees them. Instead of seeing your friends as um, people who reject you or people that are um, mean, you can start seeing through their eyes that they just need to be redeemed and forgiven. And here's my main point tonight is when... You align your desire with God's desire and then you act, God moves. When you align your desire with God's desire and then you act, God moves. Peter aligned his desires with Jesus' desires and he acted and he walked on water. Paul aligned his desire with God's desire and acted and a blind man could see. Moses aligned his desire with God's desire and lifted his staff and God parted the Red Sea. And then Jesus aligned his desire with his father's desire and acted and he fed 5,000 people with only a few Loaves, and so tonight we're going to give. I'm going to give you you three things of how to align your desire with God's desire. And the first one is this: is delight yourself in God, not in what God provides or what God gives. Psalms 37:4 says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." You know, when I was when I was praying for the we, and I was like, you know, believing in God for the we when I was a kid. I was delighting myself in the we, not the Lord. I was delighting myself in what I wanted and not God himself. You know, Bible says if we begin to delight ourselves in him, then he will give us the desires of what we truly want, not what we think we want. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking God for things in prayer. In fact, I believe we should. I believe we should. I think the problem comes that what we're asking for becomes our idol the problem cause what we're asking from becomes an idol and it becomes an idol when it's placed as a higher priority over god if you're wondering if the things you're praying for are an idol or not then just wait until god gives you a definite yes or a no on that thing and see if your prayer life stops if you're praying for a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you've got one if your prayer life stops then that was an idol If you're praying for money for a car and you got it and you got a car and your prayer life stops, the car was an idol. Or if you're praying for a boyfriend a girlfriend and God says no and your prayer life stops, that was also an idol too. And Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I don't believe this is meant to discourage us, but I believe it's meant to show us the the flaws of our emotions and our desires and our will. The lucky thing is, is Psalms 51.10 says, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. When we delight ourselves in God, he begins to renew our hearts and give us the desires of our heart, the desires of what we truly wanted. You know, delight isn't a word we use every day. Taking delight in God means it is beyond a practical professional relationship with him and it moves into an intimate personal relationship. You know, to take your delight, to take delight in the Lord is to place his relationship, your relationship with him above everything else. It's not just to prioritize your time with him, but it's just to, it's to genuinely fall in love with him. Because I think it's a temptation for a lot of us here to fall in love with God's actions or God's movements or God's provisions. Because, you know, I love... Praying for revival, too, but that can't be the only thing I'm talking to God about, is revival. And I love praying for provisions, too, but that can't be the only thing I ever talk to God about. You know, we can't fall in love just with what God does and how God moves and when God walks, but also just who he is and who he is to us personally. You know, personally in my life, I'm praying and believing for, you know, a few specific things But what I'm committing to is I don't want my prayer life to drop when those things come in. I don't want to stop praying just because God provided for me. I want to have a genuine love for Jesus. Okay, so number one, delight yourself in God, not in what God gives. Number two, write down your imagination. Write down your desires. Once your desires link to God's desires, write it down. Write it down what you think God is saying about your future or present. You don't have to be 100%. Write down what you think your God is saying about your school. Write down what you think God is saying about your family or your parents. Write down what you think God is saying about your career or your relationship. You know, I think a trap for a lot of us is we'll just get paralyzed because we'll start writing, and then we'll have this, like, voice of doubt inside of our brains. And, like, well, what if that's not God? And then, you know, you have to write down what you think God is saying even if you're not 100% true. Because I believe that God will lead more often with red lights than with green lights. You know, it's kind of a classic phrase. It's been around for a long time. But God wants to partner with us. He doesn't just want us to be slaves. He wants us to be children. And so sometimes in my life, God has told me specifically what to do and how to do it and to go. And I've done it. But other times, God will set up this situation and set up this scene and say, you make the first move. And honestly, number two is way scarier than number one. I'd rather take a harsh number one than an easy number two. And the reason of that is because Satan likes to whisper in my ear and tell me things that what if it's not God? What if you're not good enough? All these things going on and on and on. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be 100%. But I believe it's important to take this first step and start writing down what we think God is telling us. And And in my experience... I would say, I would say every time that I've started doing that, God's either slightly corrected what I'm writing or that was it. And that, maybe that's not true for you, but I can tell you for myself that every time I've done that, God has corrected me because he's leading me with red lights than green lights. God doesn't want slaves, but he wants children. He wants friends. He's looking for partners. So number one is delight yourself in him. Number two, write down your imagination, write down your dreams and visions. And number three is simple, but not easy. It's act. It's act. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up now. James 2, verse 17, in the Passion Translation says, so then faith doesn't involve, so faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Faith without works is dead. Faith without movement is dead. Is fake. You know, if you have faith for what God is doing in your life, but don't do anything about it or don't start walking, then you might as well not have faith at all. You know, if you have a dream of your school being changed for God, but you don't take steps and you don't start prayer groups and you don't start talking to people, don't start talking to teachers, then you might as well not even have the dream. If you have a dream for God to reach your family, but you're not living a Christ life Christ-like life around them or you're not talking to them about Jesus, they might as well not have the vision at all. In the Bible, you always see faith paired with works. You see Abraham paired his faith in God by offering up his son on the altar, but then God came through. When we act out in faith, we won't always see the how. We only get to know the what. We don't always get to know we don't always get to know the how. We know Moses parted the Red Sea. He knew the what, and that was to lift his staff, and God provided the how. He didn't know how. When David was anointing king, he knew the what, but he didn't know how God was going to do it. He was just a shepherd, lowest in his family. i will leave you with this, and it's with this. God will provide the how. You provide the what. God will provide the how. You provide the the what we may not know how this will affect people we may not know the simple action that we're taking is going to affect people there's a phrase that i really love and that's we don't know how many people are behind your yes we don't know how many people are behind your obedience you know it's, there's a story about uh, billy graham who th- his sunday school teacher took him aside one day because god led him to and shared him christ and he got saved And we all know Billy Graham saved so many hundreds and thousands, if not millions of people. And it was all because of that one what from that teacher. We don't know how changing our imagination and our dreams and our thoughts about our future is gonna affect things, but God provides the what. So if you'd all stand up right now as we close here. I just ask that you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And this is the time to respond to this. That we don't know, I don't know how God is moving in each of your lives. And I don't know what your what is, but God does. But God does. So right now I'm going to invite our Elevate Prayer team up and they're gonna be on either side of the stage. And that these people are here to help pray with you through any problems. It doesn't have to be about the message, it could be through anything. But if you believe that God is working on you in this way and that you don't quite know what to do yet, I wanna encourage you to come up to the prayer team and have them pray with you and agree with you in prayer. So Father, I just pray that you draw all of those that need to hear this tonight. I pray for boldness and courage in all of us and all the teenagers, all the leaders tonight that we will go out and do the what. We'll do the what, and you provide the how. So, Father, I thank you for everything you've done for us. I thank you for your son. God, I thank you that you always provide the how.